0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Aren't you thankful to feel his presence here today? Amen. I want to accept that challenge and make sure that I make room and keep room in my life for the power and the presence of the Lord. I'm glad that he's welcome here in this church. But he's not just welcome in this church, he's welcome our heart in our home, amen. I've been in homes as a guest many, many times, and um, there's a different feel. Sometimes you really do feel that people are sincere when they walk you through and say, now here's where we keep this, here's where we keep that, and anything you need, you just help yourself to that. What a wonderful feeling it is to know that arms have been opened that wide, and um, and that whatever is theirs is yours, and I'm thankful for that. I pray that the Spirit of God will touch us. I want to say as a precursor this morning, thank you to those who have been helping us cover our services, and and um, thank you for your attention to being here in the house of God, not just present in body, but in spirit, and let's let God touch us together as we move forward. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that I feel every time I walk in this building. Amen, it feels different when you're here, so don't misunderstand my following statement, but I feel that same presence when I walk in this building, whether we're here for church or I'm just walking in here during the middle of the week, during the middle of the day. I'm thankful that this is a house that we dedicated long ago to the power and the presence of the Lord. Our text this morning is gonna come from the book of Luke, chapter number 10, and I'm gonna read a very familiar passage of scripture to many, but uh, if you're not familiar with it today, we want to help you to become familiar. The Bible says in Luke 10 and 38, now it came to pass as they went that he entered, he being Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, always take note when Jesus says something more than once. Anywhere in scripture, when a word is repeated, when a name is repeated, That is very significant. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, I'm I'm thankful for this passage of Scripture and the truth that comes to us from this passage, and I just pray sincerely that the Lord will help me to do justice today. His word can and will speak to us, and and so I I pray that we'll allow the spirit of God just to do that. Most of us have had the opportunity to host people in our homes, and when I was growing up, um, my mother and father would often keep in our homes, they would often keep the church's guest speakers, and uh, I always as early as I can remember, enjoyed listening to ministers talk about the work of God and whatever capacity they may have been working in. I could have listened all night long to the stories of where the Lord had taken them and the wonderful things that they had experienced, whether that was positive or negative. And and, uh, there's a portion of me, a part of me, that is still that hungry today. I always enjoy... Listening to uh, missionaries and evangelists and others that talk about the wonderful things of God, I always, as a child, hated when my bedtime came and they were, of course, still gathered around the table and and talking. And so bedtime would come and I would be sent to bed. And often, uh, not to be to portray myself as being all that rebellious, but often I would slip back down the hallway and sit just out of sight where I could hear what they were saying. Now some may just assume that I was that nosy, but I don't really think that was it. I just enjoyed hearing people talk about the work of God and it's something that I've never gotten over. Even though I was young, there was always something in my mind and my heart, I somehow felt that our home was blessed because those people were in our home. As far back as I can go, I I couldn't rationalize that altogether then as much as I can now. But I always felt like that we were blessed because someone that was doing a work for God, they were in our home. They weren't just sitting at our dining table, but they were sleeping in our guest room and things of that nature. And that's a conviction that I still hold in my heart today. I believe that as a church, many years ago, we, we built a guest quarters, as you well know, and I firmly believe that we're blessed as a church because those are open doors, that's an open room, and, and uh, many times throughout the calendar year, more people will stay in that room than we actually host for a service. And, and, uh, but I believe that we are blessed because we have the privilege to provide a sanctuary and uh, for them, a place of rest for their, them and their ministry. And so when we think about now that in context to our scripture this morning, what if we had an opportunity to, in the most literal sense, have Jesus come to our house? The Bible says it came to pass as they went that when Jesus came into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him, received him into her house. Uh, Perhaps I, I believe Martha and her family in this setting has a powerful lesson to teach us. I believe we could easily envision as these few scriptures paint a word picture for us, we could easily envision how these ladies were actively and busy around the house. We'll really never know how they got word that Jesus was coming or how Martha was able to intercept him and convince him to come to their house, but it seems apparent that somehow she did The fame, of course, of Jesus had swept all throughout Judea. And so Jesus himself was certainly not a secret. Blinded eyes were being opened. Deaf ears were being unstopped. Lame people were taking up their beds and walking home. Lepers were returning clean. And so the noise of Jesus being there was not a a secret at all. But what remains a mystery is exactly how he wound up in that house. The reports of his miracles perhaps were enough to charge the atmosphere of that entire community and in all honesty, silence the mouth of every skeptic. To be sure, Jesus was challenging the status quo because he brought a message that, that said things like turn the other cheek and, and to love your enemies and on and on the list would go. Jesus spoke, spoke about relationships from the heart and not just a commitment to the law and so he was challenging Christianity at its core or challenging religious religion, should I say, perhaps, to the core. It seems that Martha just had to hear more, so she went to find him. She purposed in her heart that somehow, way, Jesus is coming to my house today. The Bible doesn't give us any details of this incident. We have nothing that segues us up to this moment. We just begin reading Obviously, she succeeded. When we see this account next, we see two sisters who have a very different response to the same exact situation. Martha was busy working in the kitchen while Mary, on the other hand, was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And from this position, it seems in scripture that she hung on every word that he spoke. In Luke 10 and 39 through 40, describe the scene this way. She had a sister called Mary which sat at his feet and heard his his word. But Martha, Martha was cumbered about much serving. These are seemingly two opposing positions if we just compartmentalize them. Keep one here and one here. It seems as though they're opposing positions. Martha frantically working to make sure everything is just right. And here then Mary oblivious to anything else but the fact that Jesus is in her house It was almost as though she didn't care what was going on in any other room of the house, much less what was going on in the kitchen. Additionally, Jesus, the great teacher, didn't say a word. In time, the silence of Jesus and the absence of of Mary was just more than Martha could stand. So she went to Jesus and said, Martha was cumbered about, much serving." She came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, make her come in here and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, You are, thou art careful and thou art troubled about many things. You're fretting over many things. But one thing, if we're going to boil this down, one thing is the needful thing. One thing is the most important thing and Mary hath chosen that good part and that which, she sh- which shall not be taken away from her. It seemed that, that the Lord is just reminding her that there's two things going on here and all of them or both of them have a place or a position but it was a privilege to have them in their home, him in their home. But our priorities, what he was trying to say, uh, there is a a time and a season that we've got to prioritize our lives. Our Our priorities, rather, should be about being with him and not just what we can do for him. I think the same is true when we come into this house of worship or any house of worship for that matter. The greatest thing that we will experience, and I say this with great deference to everybody who works during our services, but the greatest thing that will happen in our service will not be the song, nor will it be the sermon. The greatest thing that will happen is being in the presence of God. That's why I always want to say I'm thankful, say it from my heart, I mean it that I'm thankful to Feel the presence of God. Amen. I don't think I'm alone here today when I say that I've walked through seasons that I didn't feel the presence of God. I mean, Job walked through a similar season. I'm certainly not equally myself to Job. Nothing could be further from the truth, but Job couldn't find the Lord front, behind, or on either side of him. And I feel like I've walked through seasons where it seemed like not because of sin or error, but the Lord, it was just a time and a season of testing and trying that the Lord was seemingly absent. And so when I feel his presence, I wanna acknowledge that I'm thankful to feel the presence of God. Amen. The greatest thing we will ever experience is to come and feel the presence of the Lord. That will be the greatest thing. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And so I wanna have that, I wanna realize that I have that opportunity every day. I'm thankful that it's not relegated to Sunday at 10 Wednesday at 7:30. We're not limited to some random occurrence whenever we can fit it in our schedule when we can make it work. We're not relegated to a happenstance moment that Jesus happens to be passing by. Somehow we happen to coerce him to stop in this house. But I'm thankful that when this service ends today, he's going home with all of us because he's going home in our heart. Amen. <laughs> Welcoming Jesus into our into our home. It's not so that he may just suddenly come in. We can't forget that the Lord is omnipresent. He is everywhere present. So welcoming Jesus into our home is found, I think, not so much in opening the door, bidding him to come up the sidewalk, but welcoming Jesus into our home is, is centered more around our focus on that and the energy that we place into that. We place, we need to order our world around his presence and his word and not try to order his word around our world. I don't want to try to fit Jesus in my world. I want to make my world fit around the Lord. And it would, be, it would have been very easy to, for us to be negative about Martha and her approach. And in this, narr- in, the, in this narrative, we could read this in a very carnal sense that while she's in the kitchen, Bustling away and trying to prepare everything, pots and pans clanging, no doubt. There's another side of this coin. Had it not been for her desire to see him come, according to the scripture, had it not been for her desire to see him in her house, he may not have been right there. Perhaps Mary would have never been afforded the opportunity to sit at his feet had it not been for some intentional effort on the part of Martha. Martha was the one that had enough faith. Martha was the one that asked the right questions and positioned herself to believe the reports of the Lord and to believe that he could and indeed would come to her house. It took the initiative to go find him. It took the initiative to make sure he had an invitation. In truth, her spiritual appetite was a precursor to Mary's spiritual appetite. In all honesty, for any of us to experience that ongoing and that abiding presence of the Lord, then I believe that we've got to mirror the passion that Martha had. She had a desire for the Lord to be in her house. So I don't want to be just like Mary, but I want to divide that in half and find a balance between these two wonderful ladies because together they teach us a powerful lesson. It was by believing that all things were possible that we see things happen in our home as well. That kind of passion can compel us to pursue him with every fiber of our soul, just like Martha did. And for whatever reason, she was determined that if he's going to spend the night, if he's going to stay anywhere in Bethany, it's going to be in my house. You know, I want to be that determined every time we have church that we create an atmosphere that is conducive for the spirit of God to feel welcomed and to move. I don't wanna walk in and assume he owes me anything, but I wanna be intentional about creating an atmosphere where we can worship God without restriction, without reservation, I wanna create an atmosphere. She was determined, she didn't care what anybody else thought, but I'm thankful today that it's really not a competition. We're not trying to make our yard prettier than the house next door so he'll come in. Amen, I believe that we can have him in our heart and in our lives. Jesus being present in my home life doesn't mean that he can't be present in your home. He being in my heart, in my life, in my family doesn't mean that creates an absence in yours or vice versa. Nevertheless, Martha's hunger for his presence in her home I believe is something that all of us should emulate. No matter what it cost, it'll be worth the investment. No matter what you had to go through to be here today, it will be worth the investment. Anybody ever had to go through anything to be in church? Amen. I could ask the real question. Anybody have, argue on the way here? We live so close, if we're going to argue, we have to hurry up and get it going. <laughs> That's, that's one nice thing about that. We, our arguments on the way to the church are brief. <laughs> I've heard it said before and repeated it many times. I heard it said many years ago, but I've repeated it many times that it does all of us good to have company every now and then. <laughs> I'll just let that keep reverberating through the audience. It's the truth. I'm not suggesting anybody here lives in squalor, but it does all of us good to have company every now and then because it just makes you shore things up. Am I right? Right. Several months ago, we were going to go off for a couple of days with some friends. So they're coming by our house. This is the plan. They're coming by our house. They're going to pull in the driveway. We're going to walk out of our house. We're going to get in their vehicle, and we're leaving. Got it? Pretty simple plan, straightforward. And then my wife hands me a things to do list. I staggered. I was like, "What? What in the world?" I'm just going to reiterate. They're they're driving up. They're pulling in our driveway. <laughs> We've been talking about this for months, for weeks now. We've honed this down to a science. You're going to pull in. They're leaving their house such and such time. They'll be here such and such time. And we're just going to get in the car and we're going to drive off. And so I'm wondering where, where is this list going to be necessary? And my wife asked one question that silenced the whole deal. She said, what if they need to come inside? So it validated the list. One sentence. You guys ever been there? One sentence. I was just shredded. So now we're working on this list over time and they didn't even come in. They did? <laughs> I stand corrected. They did come in. So aren't you thankful that I did the list? That was my whole point. It was, it was uh, my whole point. The truth of the matter is, they didn't just have to come in and get a drink of water. They could have stayed several days with us because we had everything taken care of. Thank you, my wonderful, darling wife. (laughs) So here's the deal guests affect how we live our lives. They really do. It does do us good to have company from time to time. the things that we've grown accustomed to. We dress differently when company's with us. We talk differently. And I, I don't mean pretentiously or, or being, uh, being hypocritical. I don't mean that. But the tone and the climate of our home changes by the presence of a guest when somebody is coming. And my wife, I was really gonna say this anyway, my wife is a tremendous host and she's even a better host now. And so a tremendous host that makes sure that everything is just right when we are going to have guests in our home. And so if if, if, if that changes and if that is true in the natural sense, then how much more? Should the climate, the atmosphere of the church change? When we feel the presence of God, we ought to conduct ourselves different. We ought to not sit around cavalier that that that. Well, big deal. The Spirit of God is here. No, no. It's it, it is a big deal that the Spirit of God is here. I. I've not been everywhere and done everything. I don't want to even allude to that or even pretend to be that, but I've been in church services where you couldn't feel the presence of God. I don't want to be in that atmosphere. I want to appreciate the power and the presence of God. Every aspect of how we live should be filtered by and through his presence every part of who we are will be impacted because he is a guest and perhaps this is why some are reticent to to pursue a, an abiding visitation of the lord in their home some people are more comfortable just coming to visit him right. and not him coming to visit them Because we could just blow into his house and we have this philosophy, if we go there, stay with me now, if we go there, then we're still in control and we can leave any time we want to. If we'll just go into their home, if we'll just go over to his house, then we've always got the key in our pocket and we can leave his house any time. But if he comes to my house, it may be different, he may not leave when I want him to, Am I meddling too much this morning? Amen. I want to tell you today, I don't want to just live my life with a with the idea that if I can just go to his house that way I can leave when I want to. I want him to come to my house and frankly never leave. Never feel compelled to leave. Amen. I don't want to I don't want to just Come to his house and sit through a couple of services a week, and, and not really be all that impacted or all that altered. Amen. I don't want to just limit my exposure to him just a couple of times, just a few hours. But I want him to come home with me. Amen. I don't want to just dress up, present myself to him for a little while. I want to. I, I want to. I, I don't. I don't want to come and 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 stay at arm's length so my life can remain uninterrupted but I want him to come into my house, into our house, and to be welcome. And I don't want anything going on in our house that would offend his spirit. I don't want anything in our house that would that would grieve the spirit or the presence of God. Amen. I want to take that profound step of inviting the Lord to come home with me. Come home with me. Amen. We see that immediate impact upon how we conduct ourselves. If we really believe that God is in our home as a guest, I believe we'll talk differently. I believe we'll walk differently and live differently. And there are things, if we wouldn't do it in this house, then why would we do it in our house? Amen. If we wouldn't put something up on that screen in this house, why would you put it on a screen like that in your house? If he's really, if he's really in our home, if we wouldn't, if we wouldn't go some places and do th- some things in our own mind and our own heart, anywhere else, then I want to make sure that's not going to happen in our house. Oh, if anything ought to be a sanctuary, and if anything ought to be a safe haven, if anything ought to be a refuge, it ought to be our home. Our home. Our children always wanna, should always wanna come back home. I'm not talking about necessarily move back home, but to come back home. Uh, we, there should always be a longing in our companion when they walk out the door to go to their job or their responsibilities, a desire to come back home because they feel safe there, they feel honored there, they feel welcome there. I want the Lord to know you're safe here, you're honored here, you're welcome here, we love you here, everything here is gonna be centered around you praise God amen what drives a person to that extreme level of commitment maybe the answer is found in Mary's response Martha might have been the one to initiate the visit but it was Mary who really understood the importance the gravity of the moment Mary refused to be distracted by anything that's going on I am want to sit here at the feet of the Lord It's doubtful that she even was cognizant of the things that were going on around her. She was not bothered by the dust on the baseboard. She wasn't bothered because one little trinket or or whatnot was out of place. She wasn't bothered by anything. She didn't want anything to distract her. The Bible records that Mary couldn't understand uh, that Martha couldn't understand Mary's response over these uh, over these more fleshly or carnal matters. However, it's just as likely that Mary didn't understand Martha's response to the situation. And I'm not wanting to paint one more wrong than the other. Maybe she wondered why she wasn't joining her and making sure everything was prepared. But you see, in truth, what Martha was doing was not wrong in and of itself. You know, we've got to have a place to worship And I'm thankful that we do have a place to worship. And so we need to take care of the physical things of this place of worship. And so it's not all about just worshiping and crying and praying and lifting our hands. Sometimes you gotta do physical things around here. But you see, we gotta have a balance of both of those things. We just can't have one group, they're gonna be the worshipers and these groups over here, that's gonna be the maintenance crew. No, we've gotta come in and say, Lord, amen, let me exercise my gifts appropriately. But when I come in, I want to recognize, yes, hallelujah, yes, hallelujah, we want the lights to work and we want everything to be correct. But when I come into the presence of God, nothing, nothing can take the place of being in the presence of the Lord. Nothing can take the place of that. Amen. Being honest with ourselves, we must admit that we all experience times when the important things crowd out the essential things. I've been right there many times. Important, pressing matters. Crowd out the essential things. There have been times when I was so busy doing something naturally that truly needed to be done that I didn't spend the proper amount of time perhaps preparing for the message that was coming. Because what was going on is that the important. Was crowding out the essential, and if we're not careful, that can happen to each and every one of us. The busy nature of our life consumes our days and our weeks, and 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 it. There's just always. Can I get a witness? There's just always something. Always something. Can you imagine that we are already in March of 2021, and it's just as though we blink our eye and almost the first quarter of this year is blowing past us. It is such a hurried, fast pace of life. But in light of reality, there's some very insignificant uh, things can become really insignificant when we view them through that eternal lens Uh, a thousand years from now none of us are going to be worried about some of the things that keep us up right now. I remember several years ago, Brother Mooney uh, was speaking, and he shared an incident of his father was right at his last few uh, hours or perhaps days of life, and and his father, he said, apologized to him. He said, I just, I think I spent too much time mowing. I spent too much time mowing, and so Brother Mooney paused and kind of filled in that blank. He said, "My, my dad was very meticulous about mowing the yard. Every line had to be straight and, and no clumps of grass anywhere and everything just so meticulous. And But on his deathbed, he spent a lifetime. And on his deathbed, he said, you know, that don't matter right now. It doesn't matter right now. He apologized for being so sensitive to those things. It was at his juncture of life. Those things weren't registering too high. And at the moment, we at that moment in our own life, it won't matter the size of the house that we lived in it won't matter the brand of car that we drove or shoes that we wear none of that is going to matter if we weigh that against the eternal weight of glory hallelujah amen I say Lord help us today to pull our priorities together Paul said to the Corinthian church in 417 for our light affliction which is but for a moment for one thing affliction in the moment doesn't feel light and it sure doesn't feel like a moment but he said, our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, amen, but things which are not seen, here's the, weight, the weighty word, these things are eternal, I don't want to invest all my time in the wrong world, I don't want to invest all my energy in the wrong world, I don't want to worry about all the things that won't matter one of these days I've got to worry about what will matter eternally and so to experience the full impact of the Lord in our home we've got to find the balance between these two ladies at the center of our story I've got to adopt Martha's passion for making sure that he's in our house but I also need Mary's focus to attend him once he is there when we do that it becomes abundantly clear that we want Jesus to abide in our home, even if it means that everything's gonna be changed by his presence. The eternal impact of such a visitation is the reason we just sit at his feet to hear his words now, the foundation of that hope that that beats inside our chest. I'm thankful to know that he is here. His resurrection power was meant to be far more than something we just experienced one time at new birth, or that we celebrate once a year on Resurrection Sunday. God intended for that power to be an ongoing reality in our lives and in our heart in our home. And so I've got to make room for him. Has your days ever crowded out your prayer time? Has your schedule ever crowded out your daily Bible reading time? Sure. I've had my prayer time crowded out by doing the work of the Lord. Wonderful things. I wasn't out in the pool hall. Wasn't sitting on a bar stool. Doing noble things. But just somehow, you fall in bed at night and you realize I was going to pray this morning and that appointment and then I was going to pray after when I got back to the office I was going to take care of that and then there was that phone call and that text and I had that email to return and the next news you know the important has crowded out the critical amen so here's the bottom line no one becomes spiritual by accident And no one gets close to Jesus by chance. No one has a home that has a godly climate or a godly perspective arbitrarily. You're going to have to be intentional if those things happen. Create an atmosphere, and then you have to cultivate that atmosphere. It doesn't matter how clean your house is, just leave it alone. You you don't need an army to run through there. No matter how tidy everything is, if you just leave it unattended, after a while, dust collects. After a while. And so if you want the power of God, and if I want the power of God in my family, and my home, then intentional action, that's the price. I've got to do something about it. I have to do something about it. Because God is a gentleman and he only comes in hearts and homes where he's welcome. Our culture seems to bow down at the the idol of busyness. And it is a real issue. It is a real issue in the world in which we live. Because the busier a person is, the taller their trophy is. And so to someone who has all manner of things going on in our lives, we almost tip our hat when they walk by because that is the culture in which we live, that we are bowing at the altar of busyness. In a book entitled The Life You've Always Wanted, the author John Ortberg tells about the time that he asked a friend for some spiritual direction. And so he confessed to his friend and mentor About the pace of his life and the pattern of of his daily life with his family and his work and ministry, etc. He wanted to know what he could do in order to become more spiritually healthy and to increase the spiritual health of his home for his family. After a long pause, his mentor simply said, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life amen I can appreciate you not jumping up running because we're all wondering how could I possibly do that not being satisfied with this answer he said well is there anything else I can do <laughs> That's, that was your follow up question right Okay, I appreciate that. I need the next tier down. What can I do? To which the elder said, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. As he reflected on that advice, later Ortberg made this following observation. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day because hurry destroys our soul. Hurry keeps us from living well. And for many, the great danger is not found in the fact that one day we would ever renounce our faith. The danger of hurry is that we'll become too distracted and preoccupied and settle for mediocre rather than what God really wants to do. So we don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. And I know it's been said almost in a way of jest, but it's the truth. We have more time saving devices in our hands, in our lives than we've ever had, and yet we have less time than we've ever had. And it, and it is a well-devised plan of Satan to just keep us running the treadmill of life where there is no end, no end, no end, no end. We just kind of crash and fall at the end of the day. And I'm not just talking about young people. I mean, I believe all facets of life find ourselves. There's probably people that here today that are retired that wonder how you had time to work. <laughs> how, where did you find the time to raise children? And it's because it is a system of the enemy. Hurry, 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 hurry. Let's stand. I want to experience everything the Lord has for me. Not a watered down version. Because I was too busy to take in the whole. I want to soak it up. Take it in. Amen. Lord, I love you today and thank you for our time together.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.